Hey, Pete. Hey. Hey, I don't have a pedal on my keyboard. Can we even do this episode? <laughs> I don't know. Wait, let me see. Do I have a pedal? I got something I can kick, but it's not really a pedal. Andrew. I'm Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to You'll Hear It, a podcast about listening and playing music better. Uh, that's right. It's our second day in the pod suite. We're starting to get comfortable. It's sweet in here, man. It's sweet. It's really nice. Um, the thing uh, I'm most excited about, we're going to kind of use today, right? Yeah. So we wanted to kind of show off our new uh, our new Flying V Hammer 88s. One day we're just going to do an episode of just like music. Like I'll ask you a musical question. And I'll with answer it. my hands. Yeah. <laughs> On the piano. Yeah. So what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about seven ways to use pedal tones. Bam. You know, we wanted to use these Hammer 88s to really uh, break them in. And so we thought we haven't really covered pedal tones or what they are, how to how use we them. 400 episodes and not cover pedal tones? Yeah. They're, they're kind of inside baseball a little bit. But a little bit. They're super useful. And uh, now that we actually, we really don't have pedals. So this will be interesting. Yeah, we can't sustain anything, so we'll see how that goes. Got to right. use that technique. Man. How are we going to sustain the success of this podcast? Ah, got it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Um, okay, so, well, actually, that'll probably be the first good thing we could talk about. Pedal tones actually have nothing to do with the pedal, right? No. So why are they called pedal tones? Because you are you have a pedal point. The Pedal tones are also called p- pedal points, right? Yes. So you have one uh, usually low note yeah. uh, that... The melodies and harmonies are are changing over. Yes, you know, that's the, kind of the most bare bones description of it. So you right. have one note that stays the same while the harmony and the melodies above it change. Yes, I like to almost think about it sometimes as almost like a pivot point. If you think visually, like you've got this place where where the pedal point is, and normally that's in the bass, you know, in in the in the lower end, and then everything kind of pivots above it. Especially some of these in particular that we're going to highlight today of these right. seven. Whereas that always, you know, not always, but usually would stay the same, the pedal point. Yeah, and pedal points are used as a way to build tension. You know, it's rare where an entire tune is based off of one pedal point. I mean, it happens, but it's it's rare where that's the case. Right. Um, Pedal points are usually rhythmically a little bit ambiguous, like... Um, like kind of open. Yeah, there can yeah. be rhythm put to it, but that's usually almost an ostinato at that point. Ooh, you know what I, I mean? Like when you throw those musical terms around, big guy. But I mean, love it. I guess you could do a pedal point where it's like, I mean, the, one of the more famous pedal points, which we'll talk about, is uh, on Green Dolphin Street, which uses that. And you can even stay on it, right? Was that? You can even keep staying on. Oh, you night. could stay in the bridge, but see, this is what this is. This is what I was saying about tension. It's yeah. building tension, right? right? And then it gets released, right? And that yeah. release of tension in that first ending is so important. Absolutely. But that that is a, a case of a rhythmic uh, application to a pedal point. Yeah. But oftentimes, you know, in jazz, we use them to build tension. You can use them. 
even freely, like amongst your solo. Like I'll set a pedal point sometimes on a solo. You know, if I'm on that, maybe I'll do, uh, you know, that on that that first inning there instead of going to the F minor seven, like a two five, the five or the five, which is right. another one we'll talk about. But That's kind of a popular one. The five in general as being a pedal point, right? For sure. Yeah. Uh, so in general, we use these to create tension and then release the tension by then going back to whatever changes are with the root. But it's really just keeping a root on one point, one tone, yes. and then the harmony changes above it. And it could be set or it could be improvised, but uh, that is not that important at this point. Right. And I think just, uh, you know, one thing as we go through these and then the many other that we're not even going to get to because there's almost an infinite variety of these, it's important to kind of think about the pattern, be it a rhythmic pattern, a harmonic pattern. There's always some kind of a pattern. Yeah. Or even if it's kind of a random pattern, but yeah. there's something because you've got that that kind of harmonic underpinning um, at the bottom there with the bass or with the piano, and the, whatever's at the bottom and everything's building above it. There has to be some kind of a pattern. And when you kind of identify that, that's really what it's about, the different kinds. Yeah, so we're just going to list off our seven favorite, uh, these patterns, yeah. essentially. The, the very common uh, patterns that we're, we're talking about here. And like I said, you can like set these up in a way that's part of an arrangement. Yeah. Or you can, you know, if you're playing with a bass player and a drummer that are listening, you can kind of set these on the fly. Of course. Yeah. So, all right. So the first one we have uh, is a descending or ascending triad. And this one's actually a little bit unusual, but I think it's very useful for a place like the kind that we're talking about that you can just throw in at any point, you know, yeah. not necessarily that it's strictly part of the changes. Yeah, but it can be like Green Dolphin Street is this these these ascending triads right you know? right so like if you had um like a c c sus kind of a thing yeah yeah you can really go to any triad it can be yeah 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 and especially you, get a little rhythmic thing happening here you're building tension here right you know and you can kind of control it by how far how far you move away from so and if you were playing place. with like a quartet and a saxophone player and you're and you're backing them like you can set this pedal point at certain at a certain point right, right? right. and that saxophone player is probably not going to be like okay now there's strict harmony to everything and you can start taking these triads yeah and it's kind of understood that this is a way to go outside of the changes to build tension. Yes. You know. And I think um, also you can use this um, just as a melodic thing, say if you're a saxophone player or, or any instrument, but you don't have to wait for somebody else to set up the actual chord. So it could be like... You know, use that idea as a melodic thing where you're playing through the triads. Yeah, it's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. All right, so number two is the five over the two five one. We talked about in our intro about the five being a very common way to use a pedal point. Um, so I would I would say you could use this like say you're playing a rhythm changes right, like say you're coming around to your second chorus. Yeah, I would use this and do often use this as like a way right. See how much tension that created? Yeah. I was I was pretty much staying inside the changes so that you could hear the form. Right. But if I was actually performing this, I would probably take it out even more and yeah. put more tension. But it's just an easy way on a one six two five or two five one. You throw that five pedal over, uh, and it just builds all that tension 
uh, going to anywhere you want to go. No, it's great. And then that really takes advantage of, especially like, as you mentioned, doing it on the second course or later courses, it takes advantage of the form already being kind of set for the listener. Right. So you don't have to set like that. That's kind of a, they're already hearing it. They're already hearing it. Yeah. Exactly. So that you go to that, it's like an in- instant and then you can play with the tension and release as you go through it in a, in a much more fluid way. And that can be totally improvised. I mean, you can kind of set that pedal point with the bass player. It's understood. You know, if you're a pianist, use your left hand to indicate what's going on, right. you know, and the whole, the band will get it. And usually, you know, a good drummer and bass player will then switch up the feel. Yeah. The the rhythm becomes a little looser and all of a sudden you have you have something really interesting. And that instance of the rhythm changes, you know, it can even if you're doing some pretty advanced playing, it can work, you know. Certainly once what do you have it as 251, you know. But you can even play around with the first part, the, the ascending or descending triad. Yeah, for sure. Feeling these hammer 88s, buddy. <laughs> yeah, because when you get the whole point of it, that's what I was talking about with the form, is like you've got that whatever it is, 16 bars, yeah. until you're going to get to it. Like everybody kind of knows where it's going just in terms of what you set up. So the more you leave from that, you have more, I think, of a leash to, to kind of absolutely to go looser on that. Well, and this is why the triads are so important in this situation because that that's the the rock that people can right. cling to. Exactly. Like the form the shape of the triad is so familiar. Yep. All right, number 3. Number 3. Okay, so this one is like um shifting between uh So say you're on a B flat sus, right? B flat You're on a B flat sus. You're on a B flat sus. You're going out to sea. I mean, you told me to say it, so it's <laughs> And then you go Oh, yeah. So it's just a little bit of a change, but you could think about it. I know people think about these a lot of different ways. It doesn't really matter what you call it, but you've got B flat sus, and then you go to like A flat minor seven, A flat minor nine over B flat. Yeah. And then back to the B flat sus, and then go to a Phrygian. That and shape was, you're doing is that, so you have B flat on, as the pedal, and the shape you're doing is B natural, E flat, F, B flat? Yep. The, the, the Charlie's Angel at the commercial break. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. So. It's really only one difference between that, that G flat and the F. Mm. It's huge, though. But you're using that. Then the tension and release harmonic, like this is such a stationary thing. Yeah. Even though, yeah, it does want to resolve. But you can sit here forever. But this tension and then release a little bit. And there's even more tension. And a little dark, too, right? Because of the. But which Phrygian? Is that a B Phrygian? I always forget what that is. You don't know either. Good. Okay. I really don't. <laughs> I really don't care. I, I mean, I can just tell it sounds like a Phrygian. Yeah, I, just, I get it by the sound. I always forget the word. Phrygian is one that I always forget. You know, when I'm in Gre- Greece, as I am from time to time, and I look up at the columns, I'm like, is that a Doric or Phrygian column? I'm always getting confused on that. Greek I think revival. that's the, the Nerdium column. The Nerdium column, exactly. <laughs> Woo! We're hitting our stride in the new pod suite. Loving Feels it. Good. Okay. All right, number four. Yes. Major to sus. This is uh, made famous. I pulled this from Dolphin Dance. Yeah. yeah. It's just a great way to build tension. So if you have like a long major chord. And there's all different ways to do this, but uh, it doesn't have to be just sus. It could be minor. Yeah. But you're just delaying that major and coming back to it. It sounds really great with this sus. Yeah. And 
And this one seems so obvious because it is how Dolphin Dance starts. Yeah. Isn't that the beginning? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we don't use it enough when we could throw it in on a pedal point. For sure. You know, because it's not one that's based upon the five. It's really the one, and it's like immediately pulling you away from that. You yeah. Know? You know what I like to do? I like to do this movement on, uh, on uh, what is this? Oh, yeah. I like to throw in the major instead of the sin sus yeah. as like a little homage to Dolphin Dance. Anyway. I like to infringe on Herbie Hancock's copyright two times on one song. As much as possible. <laughs> All right, uh, number five. Okay, so this one, this is like taking some pattern and moving it down chromatically, right? So I'm taking this, and I, you know, I always think about that. Too high. I don't even remember where it starts. You know, like getting somewhere to where it becomes a five, but it's all, it's kind of like the triads chromatically moving. But you can take any shape, even a diminished maybe, and then move it as a whole tone. So you're going in whole steps. It just gives it another kind of shape of its own um, over the, so that's like whole tone descending, we call it. That's great. Yeah like that one. Number six. So this one is kind of a composition technique, although you can use this, I think, to set up intros, to set up outros. And this I'm just calling all on the one. This is where you take a nice major chord, your tonic. Yeah. And there's really uh, so many options, diatonic chords that you can put over this uh, and t chords that are outside of the harmony. Um, I mean, this is going to be very similar to like ascending or descending triads, but it's not really about ascending or descending. It's about coming up with a nice little cadence whatever that may be over this major uh, pedal point, you know, this tonic. Yeah. You don't know, but I'm your brother. So I use these, exactly, no, yeah, exactly, yeah. right, yeah, yeah. But I, I love using these as intros, you know, or even outros, but. Um, I think they're really useful as composition tools. And then also, like, when you're writing an arrangement, to use these as a way to go in and out of a tune can be super effective. Because right. then and when you release from that, you know, if you come out of here, all of a sudden, yeah, like, it feels it totally up. different than if you would have just started with, like... I mean, you don't have to play that corny ever the no, way I just a, played that's it. That's a nice little, you know... You know what I'm saying? Dichotomy there. Yeah. Hip and corny. Uh, but, like, that, that one, like um, the... Uh, dolphin dance one from earlier uh it, it's it's kind of highlights the lesser less common but the main other pedal point you, they're pretty much over five or over one right yeah yeah it can be over anything but yeah. generally yeah yeah if you go i mean whenever you go to it that's the way it's probably going to be heard typically the, at least in these kind of examples so even if you go to the three or something it's going to sound like it's it's pedal pointing the five of a new one you know which is another technique it kind of well. sounds like a new one that's the exactly. thing that's why it's a that's why it's so powerful yep all in the one i like that one okay our seventh and final way to use pedal tones or pedal points uh, depending on your no nomenclature, mm -hmm. um, is uh... oh yeah, this is kind of a diminished. This is like a variation. Well, it's it's there's many different variations on this one. I like this and I one. love th this is one that you can kind of throw in at a time, especially like a vamp yeah. maybe before a vocalist comes up or something. So you're not just sitting on the five, but but your the idea is you're gonna go to the one. So I'm doing this over A A seven sus four, and then a G minor seven over A, and back to the A seven sus. Then G minor set G minor major seven. So this is kind of similar to that earlier one where we did the, the sort of Phrygian that we didn't know, 
but it's like setting up a pattern of four. So like if you extend this out um, and then you can add in some of the whole tone stuff or chromatic or whatever, if you want to get more attention. But I find myself, you know, it's funny, like you never think we're going to keep finding ourselves in these situations where you just have to kind of play something until something else happens on stage. It's almost like musical theater, you know, if I like it for that. There's seven. There's seven. Uh, well, we are brought to you today by Open Studio. Go to openstudiojazz.com to check out all of our courses. That's right. Shout out to, again, uh, Dan and Andrew for working so hard on our brand new podcast. Yes. This was really nice. This is actually, awesome. Man, I'm excited. Do... I'm hyped up now. I know. I feel like we can do more of these episodes where we're playing because that's really fun. That's right. We don't have to crowd over by the by the, by the keyboard. Or, or even worse, turn around. Lazy Susan it. Oh, the that was Kranich and Bach. And Bach. Uh, did, Andrew, did you guys take the Kranich out and Bach out back and shoot it? <laughs> Put it out of its misery. We were talking about shooting it and burning it, like like a like a book burning, which I'm like as you know I'm against those. But like an piano, I'm not, you know what I'm not for burning. Like piano, an old farm horse that broke its leg, <laughs> take it out of its misery. Yeah. Right? Well, till tomorrow you'll hear it. <laughs>